2: You're listening to the Kitchen Garden Magazine podcast, your fortnightly fix of gardening features, advice and chat. Subscribe and follow us now to never miss an episode. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of On the Grapevine with me, your host, Daniel Hayes, and my guest today, kitchen gardener and speaker, Helena Dove. How are you
1: today? Has
2: the rain got up to you yet?
3: it's it's drizzling but it's all right like workable my trainees out in it so
2: (laughs) yeah i think because i did pop up on friday and then i saw the um young scottish girl she was mulching all the beds yes yes it it did look very nice i i do like a mulched bed some people are a bit Uh, like oh it's got to be being used at all points but i quite like a nice freshly mulched bed i think it looks nice to be honest
3: it's it's about the time that it looks perfect. So uh, yeah. like you know that kind of just mulched, like no yes. badgers dug it up, no one's stood in it, like that's the perfect time. I feel like it me.
2: lasts for a couple of hours until some bloke turns up and treads on it and oh, I suppose you to get a yeah. nice picture.
3: Or um we were looking at it and like so the half that she's done,
2: yeah.
3: it's kind of has been so sunny, it started to dry out. So that's gone one colour and the fresh the stuff that she's done today is a different colour, and that's like when you've got a little bit of OCD yeah. about it, it's like, oh, that's so frustrating. But
2: Oh dear, if yeah, so you could I be think... in trouble on a veg garden, then you <clears throat> get OCD. <laughs> well, I don't
3: have, you don't have OCD for long, but just, no. you know, sometimes you just look out for it. You get those moments, mm. don't you? When you look out the kitchen garden and it looks like the kitchen garden you planned and you hoped for. Mm. Those moments are really beautiful, but rare, because quite often you'll look out and then you'll notice that something's fallen down or something's got a disease. Yes. <laughs>
2: um, or some so little creatures are... <laughs> appeared and you're like oh that wasn't there an hour ago <laughs> kind of I've
3: never had, um, never had pest issues the way I've had them in the last year and a bit I have to say but me mm. on
2: my toes <laughs> oh see, it's fun because you use quite a thick um, yeah quite a coarse mulch don't you because when I was there yeah. the other day someone said oh it, there's loads of branches in it I'm, I think he was o- over exaggerating on the branches but it is quite <laughs> a a yeah compared yeah. to what you might think it would be
3: So we have two types of mulch, which we only use in the kitchen garden soft mulch, which is really finely shredded, but not not as finely as, it's not compost, which is what people are expecting. Um, And then we do have in the evolution garden around it, that's the woody mulch, and that is really thick mulch. Mm. But we put that on really hard, like really thickly. The stuff in the kitchen garden this year is, it's winter. So there's a real like fight for the end of the summer mulch, which is like really fine. And yeah. then obviously autumn, you're putting in leaves and twigs. So then the stuff that's coming out now is a little coarser. But actually what we do is we rake it a couple of times, take our funny thing too massive, but we don't direct sow. So it, it's not a massive problem. No. Um, so it's fine and it all rots down and, you know. Well,
2: that's tr- why I explained to the chap. I said, funny enough, the, the, the plants, vegetables don't care because the things that they want, you can't see. You might think a piece of... Dirty, people might just think, "Oh, that has got nothing good in it." Well, it actually, might be full of something amazing for obviously certain plants, like certain things. Hence, yeah. brassicas love clay. Where most gardens, yeah. oh God, I mean, not does I don't I don't I do no dig and I haven't well I haven't yeah. done it for about twenty years, but um <laughs> no, that's just because I'm lazy. But I, do, I don't tend to think that it doesn't. It's never. It's been proven now by Charles Dowden that It makes yeah. it doesn't. In fact, it probably to the detriment of your um, vegetable plot. Probably. Yeah.
3: When we've spoken to some of our science, we don't have soil scientists as such here, but when we t- speak to like mycologists and mm. um, so like that, they yeah, they completely agree that the science is definitely don't disturb your soil. But mm. even when you think about no dig, um, you know, you think about what happens in nature, like the animals deal with the top layer and they mm. you, no one's digging it in. Um, and you've got a much healthier soil if it looks after itself, it's more resilient. I mean just everything about no dig makes sense to me. Mm. I understand why ground has been dug over for years and years and years. I, I see what's happened and I understand it and I'm not you know gonna shout at people for it but for myself it just makes more sense and it's easier. Um, as you say, it's the sort of lazy. I've been told to stop saying lazy. It's efficient. It's an efficient, efficient way of managing can, the soil. I can um, dig it over,
2: but you need to be efficient. Obviously, this is a yeah. thing because <laughs> this for me myself, it's a thing. I know some people do. I'm a chat to Adam Frost, and he likes digging it over because mm. he says it's a great way of getting whatever's angsting him. Which, and as I say, it's nothing, there's no right, no wrong. It's the same as the crop rotation. No. It's been pretty. Yep. I mean, that's a that's a big thing, but that was mainly by farmers who were over, probably overdid the piece of land and kept 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 pushing it, getting every bit. So of course they had to rotate because they ended up with just killing the land off.
3: Yeah, but you don't really need to do it
2: in a small sense, I don't think.
3: No, and you definitely don't with no dig because you're replacing the top layer. So yeah. you know most veg. They don't have the longest roots compared to like perennials, for example. So you know, I do when people are digging and digging in compost or manure or whatever down to what six foot or something, spits depth.
0: um,
3: That's not where the roots are. So like by putting the mulch on the top, you're giving them the nutrients.
2: Let the worms do the work, Elaine. That's
3: what Um, I say. And the trainee (laughs) knows. Yeah, no, wow, there i, I was, that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can get one of those. Um, but no, like it's just it's easier and it makes more sense to me. Yeah. And you know, we, we do copy a lot of horticulture comes from agriculture, a lot mm.
2: of it. Yes.
3: And when, so when you par it back and you realize you're doing different, um, it's different, it's not the same thing. So no. why would you copy them exactly? But also look at agriculture now. A lot of them are having to add back nutrients because they've dug you know, there's a real um, focus on carbon lockup. So they're trying to mm. not dig over. So it, it, in an odd way, it's kind of twisted back. So the agriculturalists are looking at what the horticulturalists are doing and, you know. Like, so yeah. Things go, yeah.
2: like, like the world yeah. goes in, weather patterns go in, I mean, around <laughs> this area. You go back to the sixties, we'd have had about six foot snowdrifts and there weren't, do you know what I mean? It wasn't an unknown thing around yeah. here, but of course, but I think everything goes in a, in a circle. And as you say, I suppose a lot of it is people copy what their forefathers or mothers did, for yeah. say. And as you say, it just takes obviously someone to say, mm, is there a better way? <laughs> I think you're <laughs> right. Better. Is there a more efficient way? And I think this is the thing nowadays is it's all about efficiency. And also, agric- uh, large scale agriculture are doing it for money purposes. They're not necessarily yeah. doing it for the purposes of the ground and the world around you. No. They're more interested in what's my profit.
3: Yeah, and you've got to feed countries full of people, so yeah, it is really, but no, no dig is, I mean, I've never really dug over the soil, I did it in my level 2 RHS, um, as you were forced to, I got marked on it and I did fine. I must admit, I never I've been it.
2: a gardener 35 years and I've never done an RHS course in my life,
3: never I think got i mean, quickly. failed quite quickly. They don't do it anymore, this was ages ago when I was doing it, and I tell you what, double digging in the middle of winter on clay soil was just, well, I, I mean...
2: Yeah, I think. <laughs> a bit, yeah, a bit younger than me. We're, it's the thing is how it's changed a bit. I mean, I'm knocking on fifty now. In fact, next year I will be. There wasn't really <laughs> the options to do horticulture much when I was went to went to no. College back in the late eighties, and there wasn't much choice. It was I, I've got an HND in habitat management, which is as close yeah. as you're going to get to, it, but there was nothing involving growing flowers, shrubs, things like that. they kind of shrubs, are kind of like, oh, well, they're, they're over there things, we're more interested in. <laughs> so I can manage your forest and your heathlands, but they but the world's changed now. And it's almost, um, yeah, it's a real viable option to become a years ago, gardeners were like, well, what do you want to do? Well, I don't really know what I want to do. Well, you can be a gardener. And it was a bit of a kind of like, well, just be a gardener. Whereas now actually it's a real, you can actually have a really good career and he's got decent earning prospects as well, because that was always a problem. It's a bit like, mm, it's all right, but it's not the best paid job in the world of gardening. But now it's, yeah, it's a good, it's yeah, a good option. And there's,
3: um, there's lots of different arms. You know, you do a slightly different arm to what I do. And yeah. there are benefits to both. And the more you get into it, I think the more you do discover there are lots of different pathway like even I get people coming in here and going oh so you're a gardener and I was like oh, I'm I'm the kitchen gardener oh what? Hmm. I didn't know you could do just kitchen you know just veg growing professionally um and you know look what I do compared to what a market gardener does which is entirely yeah. different again so so it's just like there are so many niches and Obviously, it's great and they are yeah. more open
2: and you've so, got to you you've got the thing which I remember in a when I was at college is do you manage it for the wildlife or for a meaning thing and it's finding the happy balance you obviously have to make it look nice because you are people come to see you so it's not your yeah. own. you might think I don't really like doing that but I've got to do it unfortunately because it's what it, not expected but people are coming to see it and they don't really want to see it
3: it's the aim of the garden I've always said that in mainly in well actually any really good any garden you can you can achieve three things like there's so many things that my garden could be so for me, the first thing is ornamental because it is a, it's a tourist attraction. People are coming to see. Second thing is education. I want people to take away, you know, what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And then the third thing is it's a productive area. So I produce for the restaurants and for a little sale. But say, for example, a community allotment on site, which is for community, well, the priority there isn't the look, isn't the ornamental, it's actually the learning. So I think you can do three things really well in any space but three things only, <laughs> and you have to decide yes. what's the priority. So that's yeah. kind of always been my, you know, people kind of have come in with these great ideas we could do with the space, but I know that if I tried to do a fourth thing, yeah. I wouldn't do anything very well. So it's kind of, you decide what your area wants, you know, yeah. at home, the priority is low maintenance. Can mm. I have a gin, gin and tonic while I wander around with a hoe? Have to, that's what the priority is there, you know, it's different. Um, We've got your number looks? now.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah no, no, uh, like, no. I, like, I like my yeah. allotment. It look, needs <laughs> to look nice because it's in my garden and I have a wife and children who'd seen let me know if it looked messy. But it's just nice that after all these years, I've got an allotment just to, out on my back door. So it's great. I can go out of an evening where before I'd have to go and lock all the gates, drive down there, walk to the bottom. Uh, unfortunately, about 20 people stop you. Hello, Dan. Have a quick chat. And you finally find <laughs> I've been here 45 minutes and I've not even actually got to my allotment. So it's yeah. quite nice. It makes me sound like a Ms. Blog man, actually, but there you go, it's to the goodness of my plants.
3: No, no, I'm quite, I'm quite a solitary gardener. We we um, don't open a minute till 10 o'clock and we start at 7.30, mm. and that's two and a half hours where you can just get your head down and bob out. on with it. It's mm. lovely. I mean, you know, visitors are great as well, but to be able to just kind of sit and concentrate and yeah. it's really sweet. And, uh, and get to things done yeah.
2: is the thing. If people yeah, don't realize, because, when you, it's nice chatting to people but if people keep stopping you suddenly look at what you think should have done this by now and then suddenly something else is <laughs> pressing you and you're like oh I'm never gonna get there oh
3: yeah. the biggest the biggest skill i learned when i started public gardening was to work and talk at the same time hmm. um it doesn't you know people don't always get me eye contact but i will answer their questions but you know if you've got a tray of veg or something in the heat yeah. you just need to get it in the gut in the ground so yeah, so the first thing I taught my trainee is how to work and talk. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's vital.
2: Very vital, I'd imagine, yeah. Because um, how do you find, because you, you had pretty, because I think you started last, when did you get hold of it? I can't remember, did it last May or April? The kitchen
3: gun, so the, the new version of the kitchen gun, yeah. yeah. So I've been here for five years, and the kitchen gun's been here for 10 now, mm. but um. Yeah, this time last year it was completely empty, and we were tearing the yeah. turf out and putting it elsewhere. So yeah, I got it back in. Well, I got back on site on May, and we opened in
2: June. Mm. So you had a very sort of very untypical English summer, which, yeah. as you say, because I say it must have given you some interesting highlights and some probably other things that maybe you might call lowlights, I suppose. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I suppose yeah, it, it was it was a hard well, was a harsh old year a new yeah. garden because I dare say it was it probably had diggers and etc and
3: things it had and
2: diggers
3: plant machinery and going and over it yeah we kind of they were really respectful actually there's mm. a company we work with quite a lot and they're pretty good they mainly only roll over the paths but also mm. our because we've got really two really amazing old trees we couldn't dig down very fast. so actually we raised it up a little bit so it wasn't mm. too bad so most of the beds are um, soil from the old paths so the beds aren't too compact but yeah. I've not had problems with compaction it's more just getting to know a new site in the middle of a growing season which was mm. quite a nightmare uh, with all yeah, eyes okay. on you you know this was the year of food at Kew and I was the new kitchen garden and um and I was just going oh oh I don't know what's happening We, you know um yeah. just kind of things went in much later than I would normally get them in um mentioned previously I've never had badger problems and Turns mm. out they think it's hilarious to, you know, you put your new rhubarb in and then they'll pull it out again and then you put yeah. it in again. And I lost that war. I lost all my rhubarb last year, but I should put some new in. And just things like it was so hot that the asparagus went in, but it didn't establish. So it has done okay,
0: mm.
3: but it, it I you know might be, rather than two years now until I harvest it, we might wait a third because so, yeah. it had a really poor start in the year. Um, so the heat, um, and planting things in June that I would normally plant out in May.
2: Yeah,
3: it was all quite hectic, um, but it's, it's great. very nice.
2: Though when I came up in yeah. September, you know? wasn't it? Yeah, I think yeah, yes, it looks very nice. Because I noticed when I came back the other day, I didn't if you growing your gourds and from bicinos, Because I know she put um apples in your lovely arches. Yeah. yeah, so that
3: was always the plan. We've always had kind of. You know, you can't do everything in the first year. And I've learned no. from bitter experience to not try to. So yeah, we wanted to grow up with fruit. Uh, we're never gonna we have a little orchard at Kew, um, hidden away. Um, but I wanted yeah, so I to. Grow up the, with fruit.
2: Uh, the door was private. Yeah. Yes, that's it. Yeah.
3: yeah. Oh no, the, the the orchard's up in um the orchard's actually up in Queens, so it's in a different area of the, of oh, the garden. oh, you must
2: I'm thinking if you must have your greenhouses hidden.
3: Yes, I have a greenhouse yeah. hidden away in the corner. We have a place to hide.
2: Area. Yeah, best place
3: to hide, I imagine. <laughs> also, it's a good place to just work uh, yes, but, and, and you know, have a cup of tea. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah, the apples are now going to go over the arch. They're going to be grown as cordons because mm-hmm. um, we don't have a big kitchen garden. I mean, we have a big kitchen garden compared to my back garden, but it's actually yep. only about a quarter of an acre, so it's not a ginormous site, so everything has to be restricted, so all it's, the fruit's restricted. Yeah,
2: interesting, because I've been to... um. Wisley as well, because they've had their new uh world mm. kitchen garden. I've got to think of all the names. Yeah. You're edible science, aren't you? They're not just kitchen yeah, gardens. We
3: will call it a kitchen gardens at the end of the day. Yeah, <laughs>
2: but you've probably got more growings, although they have a bigger area. Actually, you've probably got more growing space than them yeah. per se. Yeah,
3: when when we they were designing it, I in my own sweet way got involved and sort of really put them off doing smaller beds because smaller beds are great in terms of like, you can show what you can do in a small space, but it's very restrictive. You know, if you can't grow squash in an amazing fashion, but also no. the, um, the more you have space wise, the more flexibility you have. So we have a few smaller beds that are about six by two, but I didn't want fancy shapes because you know, I've, I've grown them before in a space that had lots of angular beds mm-hmm. and those little corners dry out. You can't grow anything yeah. in it. It's quite frustrating. Um So I wanted the maximum of just plain. It was basically a, a designer's nightmare. I just wanted as plain as possible <laughs> and water mm. points everywhere. That was my big thing. I was I like, how many that, water yes. points can I?
2: Have? Well, you've, you've got to think there because your your part your part walled garden really aren't you? You're not wholly yes. walled in, but your part walled garden, which is quite nice. So you get an interesting, yeah. Uh, well, yes, yeah, suppose Yes, you do because uh, uh, notice of the day the sun comes up, so it's fairly southernish facing isn't it it's
3: it's really an
2: an interesting thing that a lot of people don't normally necessarily either in a wall garden or not where you've kind of got a nice yeah and and you use a lot of vertical and rather a lot of people think uh it's horizontal but you've shown there with a lot of vertical there's a lot of space wasted by people because obviously a lot of things can grow upwards that you wouldn't necessarily think can grow upwards
3: yeah, we, um, we actually, we started this last year and it's um, going to continue. We have one of the smaller beds is, is looking at growing in smaller spaces. And one of the aspects is looking at vertical growing. So, for example, um, my favourite crop this year, I think, was Malabar spinach, which did really, really well. And that's a climbing plant that produces in, it's quite drought tolerant. It likes the heat, but the fact that it's spinach that grows up, I mean... You were just getting very little in basically a 50 centimeter square space. Is that a foot square bed? It was in there, yeah. So that's, yeah. It will soon outgrow that,
2: I thought, spinach. It will soon be out of our going next door now. Yeah.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, So, yeah, I think vertical growing is really, really important. And and also, the kitchen gardens are quite flat spaces otherwise. And although the kitchen garden has got a wall around it, what you don't see very often is right at the very end of where would have been the old kitchen garden is now the end of evolution garden there's a big mound and what Mm -hmm. the wind does and we do get the wind it comes sailing over that mound and it misses everything and it hits the kitchen garden so having vertical
1: hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank
0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
3: The structures actually breaks up the wind that I get from that direction. Um, so yeah, because it doesn't feel like it's a windy site. It is quite covered and it isn't windy compared mm-hmm. to some sites that I've worked on. Like I'm, I'm not comparing it to like an open site in Norwich somewhere, for example, But we still get this wind when it hits. Um, And so you do need the vertical structures to kind of break it up and make shadow. And and also, you know, there's crops like lettuces that struggle in the middle of summer because it's so hot. So if you've got vertical structures, you can grow them in the shade of kind of your beans and stuff. They don't bolt so fast. So you know, you don't want to waste the up space. That's it's so crucial. And also it's kind of cool to like feel surrounded by plants like you're in a jungle. So I'm trying to but complete with the glass
2: nice. houses. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I think it's just an important thing to say, not many shrubs like to be battered by the sun all day long. Some <laughs> like a lot of sun, but quite a lot of well, like, no, like but most gardeners. Oh, you must yeah. love it in this weather. Yeah, no, not if you're working in it. It's not half, you can't yeah. stop every 10 minutes for a nice cold lemonade. But um, no, So yes, yeah, so I think people have got to realise that a bit of shade, it doesn't do any harm at all in fact.
3: No and shade is, and, and the differing levels of shade, I think folk mm. always go I've got shade, but when you look they've probably got dappled shade for about four hours of the day, it feels shady quite often you know if you come home and your whole garden's in shade you feel like you've got a shady garden but actually it's not and things will thrive in that and mm um yeah as you say not everything wants to be in the full. especially if you can't give it water no. a lot of crops benefit from a bit of shade i benefit from a bit of shade your crops are not that different to you no, um, they true. need a bit of shade
2: your um yeah your your um i'm going to call it the fungi garden but it's probably yep. got a far posher name
3: I no i've got it the mushroom beds at the minute because yeah, <laughs> i noticed that
2: does get the nice morning sun because i was trying to take you a picture of it on friday when actually yeah. and I was sitting there thinking oh it's too even bright um but that <laughs> obviously gets shaded more as the day goes on I guess because what yes, what's uh, the big tree it's, there I forgot was it a magnolia a I, magnolia. I it's thought a, it was the, the floor it's a levee
3: right? eyes. so it's, so it's a, the levii so it's actually um evergreen so it is an yeah. evergreen spot there are places with sun on it so the Cayley brothers who helped me design that bed have put the one the mushrooms that are like a bit more sun in the way Mm. we do need to keep it more irrigated especially that half that does need um yeah the um, as you
2: look at the left hand side is going to be more yes because that's going to get no real well there is no escape from the sun until it goes
3: no, but not all corner. mushrooms need you, escape from the sun, you know, no. so it's they've really chosen ones that will thrive in the different areas and um, it's a quite a low maintenance bed actually, it's a lazy man's bed, as we like to say. Um, better get growing yeah.
2: Yeah. But, um, I better get myself one put in, because I know some <laughs> of the um, some things you're growing in cages I mean, we all yeah. know uh, shiitake. often, there's the dowling pegs you put in and see, are they sealed with the, look like they're sealed with a kind of uh, yeah, you have to oh. seal
3: things with a wax because wax. if you're wild, yeah. Fungi, yeah, if the wild fungi get in, then the it's wild tough. fungi are always going to be tougher than your kind of cultivated fungi and they'll yeah. take over. So, yeah, That's whenever gross. you do a log, yeah. yeah, so you just seal up any holes you make. Mm. Um, and the, the logs will take two to three years to do, they do take a while. Um, yeah. It's a very slow process, but the straw beds and things like that, they've already given us gentle crops. We've mm-hmm. had I would say we've cropped from that bread pretty much every week, not loads, but like a really nice amount from a shady spot that otherwise we probably wouldn't do anything very much in it. So, you know, I've done it before at my old garden and I just think that we look at shade and go, oh, what do we do? Mm. And I just think everyone should grow mushrooms. Uh,
2: (laughs) Fair enough. Because what's the one? Was it hens, something hens foot? He was covered up.
3: Oh, the chicken of the woods and head of the woods. The yeah, of the wood, head the of the woods, ones, that's too. it. Yeah. I
2: thought, that's what I quite like is the wonderful names you get. I'm gauging he's, he was covered up with a taffeta or something. Is he a little yeah. bit-
3: Yeah, they've got a little hat on.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's also yeah, done like a little, little, yeah.
3: Little, um, yeah, they've got like totem poles on them. And that's whilst it. they've done three logs and in between each one, there's a layer and we just need uh, to wait for the layer to grow in so that it's a solid structure. So they're kind of hidden away at the minute. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's hen of the woods or chicken of the woods. I think it's hen of the woods. That I think it's, it's hen of the
2: woods. Yeah. Yeah,
3: but there's one that's illegal to pick wild. So that's the other thing about growing
1: mm. in your
3: own garden is that you can grow things that are illegal to pick from the wild because we, although foraging for mushrooms is, you know, it's really? kind of an old tradition, we can't mm. over forage. So by growing your own and using your shady spots in your garden, I just think it's a, and it is, it's just a really good solution to what a, yeah. a lot of people see as an issue. Um, and mushrooms are just, you know, they are great healers of the soil, of people. They're great. They are, and,
2: and they're quite expensive. If you start getting, if you want your clothes cap mushrooms, they're fairly cheap, but you, I say, you want to buy a tape mushroom. A, it's quite hard to find them sometimes unless you go to your um, other ones. But um, yeah. as you, it's, and it's a great way, just the only thing like all of those things is just know, know your mushrooms, like foraging. Yeah, Definitely don't go out thinking you can do it with a little guidebook because it could go very wrong very no. quickly for you.
3: No, like if fair. you wanted to try a mushroom to start with at home, and mm. this is the first one I've King's um, Kingstroferia which is a wine cap type, it comes up with kind of a purpley red cap mm. and there's very little else in the UK that looks like that wild, so it's a really strong kind of um, starting mushroom but then yeah. you just kind of you know, ask the experts, you know, but make sure you have a picture of what you're hoping to get, <laughs> To get because, yes. you know, even I nearly poisoned myself the other day. I was like, oh, I was texting Lorraine from the Gale Brothers and I was going, is this is this a pearl oyster? And she was like, no, don't eat it. It's come in on the wood chip. So ah.
2: you just got to be
3: like, you know, you know, it. has been a pretty bad day
2: you there, Helena.
3: It wouldn't, it wouldn't have been great, but I always check. If I don't know, like, yeah. I'm really good at my job, but if there's something I'm not sure on, always check always check when you're dealing with food don't test it by putting yeah. it in your dinner <laughs> test it no. by asking someone um yeah you know but your
2: students will just go oh, she's having a sleep in the bed it must be warm milk. <laughs> she's like oh okay. yeah she's
3: gone away it's right it's fun day friday friday is the fun day friday for me um,
2: yeah. and
3: we do all sorts of things so i sort of yeah but um renowned for sort of like finishing things off and doing the fun little jobs so yeah she thought i'd just and away on a mushroom somewhere
2: who knows <laughs> but yeah. She's happy. It's that's what matters great. yeah <laughs> so um what, what are you looking forward to because obviously you're coming into your we could call it your first proper season couldn't we because you've had a winter and things like that what yeah. kind of things are you looking forward to doing this year that you couldn't do this year
3: i have to say like all these fruit establishing so as well as the cordons over the arch we've got some mm. fan trained plums that we're going to be training we've got some pyramid pears um, some espalier apples so I'm quite enjoying watching them develop it's quite um, the first year when you're growing restricted fruit is quite uh, it, it, it's interesting because you don't know which buds are gonna you know mm. you've kind of snipped them off just underneath where you want them to, to burst and you know it's quite interesting to see what bursts and you have to check it really of, um, often so that you're like tying them in so getting the fruit trained will be a really big one there's um, a certain amount of luck
2: in this is not luck oh. but I mean, there is there's there's luck in everything and and you hope well basically, I think your gardeners hope for the best, then you have to plan for the worst yeah. but you know, sometimes it works, and for whatever reason, sometimes it doesn't and there's no rhyme nor reason
3: no. no, so but it's it's about being vigilant and watching and and yeah so but it's always really fun because you don't know what's going to happen you know, I don't yeah. know whether we're going to have an excessively hot year a yeah. wet year. I don't know what's going to come so I always just enjoy I mean I'm at the point where I've got my plans and I don't know what it should look like <laughs> and then I really enjoy the chaos of it starting and it all going yeah. you know not being able yeah. to control it and
2: but yeah I mean, it will be bang everything will be going crazy
3: oh I mean even just this week with the sun we've had everything in the yeah. glass house for example that was growing okay has suddenly gone yay there's light like let's get away and yeah, it and then feels, they were
2: leggy and things like that. And it's
3: like, oh, another problem. Yeah, lots of sinking of things. But, you know, mm. um, but yeah, we're lucky that we don't it's have like, any artificial light, but we get enough that nothing's too yeah. leggy. We don't start very much yet. Um, really just peppers and um, some other bits and pieces. But, well, Fine. the problem is we only, we only have a very small heat mat. So I have to, like, it's called heat mat Tetris.
1: Um, so you yeah. have to
3: kind of get things in on and off before you do the next thing. So, we don't have these amazing facilities. We, we have a kind of, I think it's about two meter heat match. It sounds like a lot, but it's not as much when you've got stuff on it. So, actually, yeah, the only reason I start things early, such as the peppers, is that I have to get them off so I can get the aubergines on, the aubergines off so I can get the tomatoes on.
2: Yeah.
3: yeah, it's a really good game of Tetris.
2: <laughs> it is. And the chosen one gets there. You soon know what your favourites yeah. are. This is it. Oh, you've <laughs> been there for an extra day, have you? Yes.
3: Yeah, yeah. I know. Don't she let she me likes down. That one. Yeah, yeah. Did. But yeah, so there's not like a rush to start the, the season, but you work with what you've got. And um, what I've got yeah. is a heat map that's not massive, um, you know.
2: I, I would ha- love to have your little area in my back garden. i have to say oh, yeah, but, yeah. And I'm very, very lucky okay. with
3: what I do have. I mean, yeah. I do have good facilities, but I think folks think that there's like the, the best of the best. I mean, my glass house actually used to be an alpine house. Um, so it's really well set up for woodland alpines. Yeah. Yes. Um, not veg <laughs> but it's no. part, of, part of it like you work with what you've got and it's gardening and you can make it work so yeah so my chilies have, have come up we're just pricking them out and then hopefully the aubergines are going in a week or so and uh, and then by the time we chat again it'll be september
2: <laughs> well this is it and um well no I've, I've done none of mine yet i do like watching um social media as they call it i do like seeing people i'm thinking Oh, you're going early. I did some cauliflowers and some cabbage, but I've just yeah. got a little, a small little greenhouse. I don't want to yeah, take up yeah. space of it. And they've come up, it's taken them two or three weeks, but they've finally shown their faces. So I did yeah. think that they would have wouldn't have made it because we had some pretty hard old frosts a few weeks back.
3: <laughs> brassicas, a, brassicas are tough as boots though. Yeah, um but that's the other thing, isn't it? It depends on your garden. So as well as having this limited space. The other thing is I know that we're a bit warmer. We have the wall. Mm. So the wall makes everything about a degree or two warmer. We still don't put anything out very much until May, but we we are warmer than say, you know, I grew up in the North of England or the Midlands, but you know, it was always cooler. So you work with what you've got. I mean, at home, I live under the Heathrow flight path, which is even warmer. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we actually, it depends on your garden, you know. Um, whereas just away from me at Kew, there's the grass garden, which is a little frost pocket. So yeah. it's not, you know, it's knowing your space, knowing when you can fill it. Like I can get lettuces outside in March very, very happily. They'll be fine. Cause we don't get any strong frost. She says it might snow now, yeah. but they'll live through it. I can't use fleece because the badgers think that's hilarious. Um, you like the badgers,
2: don't you? Them. You have a fun game with them.
3: They are. What's Helena really got amazing.
2: for us today? Yeah.
3: <laughs> They are because they're just playful. They don't really. They eat, they do look for grubs, but they're just very playful, and especially yeah. the young badgers. I mean, some when might they say destructive
2: when you said playful. There, some might say destructive.
3: They are destructive, but they're playing. Yeah, I'm trying to get in trying to get in their minds. Um, but that's why we don't use fleece because yeah. I think they think it's a cake, and they run around wearing my fleece, and then they tear it to shreds, and it's the best game. And then I go and put more on the next night, and it's you know. So we just don't use fleece. Yeah. <laughs> um, I tend to find also
2: nature always wins. When people say yeah. I'll try to do this, I tend to think, yeah, but it always wins in the end. You might think you're winning, but you 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 have a night off or something, or forget about it. <laughs> It
3: always wins, it, it always oh, yeah. wins. Oh but yeah, I mean, I get people coming in and saying they've been trying to grow, for example, we, we don't grow leeks um, because my predecessor tried, we get leek moth, we get allium leaf miner, we get all these things, uh, we get rust on them. And at some point you can't keep fighting all the elements, just don't huh. grow leeks because someone else somewhere is gonna grow leeks really, really well. Um, so I kind of like, you know, I'll try something once, if it doesn't work, I might try it again. And at that point, it, there's no point fighting your site. You know, no. whereas I have such a lovely warm site, I can grow all these kind of lovely tomatoes and aubergines and all these things outside. So put your energy into what your garden does really, really well, like don't keep fighting. And, you know, if you've got an animal that just, like there's um, a squirrel that has this corner that I think he thinks is his. I don't it plant is. there anymore because like, what's the point? I know as soon as something goes in, he's going to put his acorns in there instead. So mm. don't fight it; just kind of go with it, and you're going to be much happier. In the
2: long That's run. true enough, and he'll be a lot happier, or she will be a lot happier or too.
3: She, me. Yes, yes. Yeah? Um, whoever, whichever gender squirrel it is, is definitely com- commandeering the corner. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's just don't fight it because, as you say, well, we're going to win. Sorry, my screen's just gone funny. Um, there you go. Um, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Um, oh,
2: yeah, they nature. Mine's trying Is to them? tell me to upgrade. I don't know how much, how long you've got. I think we've got five minutes left on this. I don't know if okay, you've got- yeah, any I ones?
3: haven't got much longer than that. I've
2: got a group coming in 10 minutes. Yeah, so, so we've got, so we'll we're, wrap we're, we're through a couple of questions. Have you got any tips for growers? Because the, the readers of Kitchen Garden Magazine love a tip. Love a tip? Love a tip for um, their veg. You, for their
3: veg. Trying to think um, when well, if you're going to start planting a module like I do a lot, which we do that so that it's a very neat line when you grow it out, mm-hmm. you can usually sink a lot of the crops a little bit deeper than the nursery line. So things like courgettes and um, tomatoes, and if you sink them a bit lower, so the stems in the ground, they actually put out these adventitious roots, which gives so the stem puts out little roots, so they're mm. more kind of resistant to wind because they've got more uh, roots. They also can find more water and they're just more stable. And if they got a bit leggy at some point, you hide most of the legginess under the ground. So I think don't be scared to brassicas will do it, all your legumes will do it, and all your cucurbits will do it, and most solanaceae. So it's a bit like earthing up, but you're just planting them a bit lower so that they're more stable in the ground.
2: Very good, big tick by that then. Uh, what, <laughs> what do you think will be the, because um, obviously you experiment with a lot of new veg, yeah. what do you think might be the big the big the big new thing in veg grain i know it's a terrible thing to say, the big new thing in veg grain because nothing nothing <laughs> new has been invented for a long long time but um what do you think might well, yeah. as I say because weather is changing so it has opened up opportunities
3: so i'm really keen at the minute on i think i mentioned it earlier malabar spinach is mm. a really good one i think exploring different leafy crops is going to be quite vital but also it's really fun so i've started growing um and we grow dandelions because they grow really well and they're quite tasty. That You know, the chefs like them. Um, Callaloo grows really well now. Um, I've been growing something called minutia, which is basically a plantain, but it's horn plantain. So it's thin and it is one of the most delicious crops. So mm-hmm. I think we've got a lot of kind of we've got to look outside of what we would normally grow in Britain um, and see what's out there. But also the trend in edible flowers has gone through the roof which i think is great Mm. because as well as being quite tasty they attract pollinators and they look really nice which is just great so yeah i'm a big kind of advocate of those um, kind of i think that's the next step who knows with fruits we probably have different cultivars and you know Mm. we might see the apricots and peaches are outside more um than they were but it depends.
2: <laughs> that depends on the winter, so we'll see. I was see. about to say you can always guarantee a late frost, but pay for any wonderful things you're hoping for. Yeah,
3: yeah, Probably and who fun. knows what's coming.
2: <laughs> okay, lastly, we've got a couple of minutes left. Tell me all about your new book, Helena.
3: Cool. Um, yeah, it's, it's the botany, botany of, the of a garden.
2: botany of a kitchen garden.
3: It's botany of the kitchen garden. Yeah, and I um, get asked a lot of questions at you. And I guess when I started out there were a lot of books of how to there's lots and lots of how to books yes I've written one myself they're amazing and every time I read one you learn something new but the next step is kind of why why are my plants doing this so it's kind of that answer it's um you know I get a lot of people coming in in the middle of summer going why is my florence fennel bolting for example you know people think it's got too hot it's got all that but the actual thing about florence fennel is that it reacts to day length. So whenever your day length gets to 13 and a half hours, it's gonna bolt. It just is, it's its mm. natural way. So therefore by knowing that bit of information, that botanical bit of information, you can not grow them in July. So you either grow them in March, April and harvest them by June, or start growing them again in September. So the book looks at kind of why your crops are behaving the way they are, um, tells you just things that you might not know, like beetroots, we call them, root crops but actually they're mainly made from stem. Um, Mm. So it's that sort of next level of kind of understanding the crops and a lot of the questions I get asked at Q are why are my crops doing this, not how Mm. do I do it. So it's just that next level of information that helps me understand and become a better gardener really. Mm.
2: Lovely, well I look forward to getting my copy of it. Have a lovely day, thanks for joining us on The Grapevine. and um, Thank you. And I just want to see you, you again too. one day
3: up there. Yeah, probably the end of the season when we've got some time again.
2: <laughs> yeah, but, well, that's generally the way, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Keep stuff. Thanks I'm very good. much. If you've enjoyed this video, press the like button and also give us a comment let us know what you're doing in the garden at the moment. And if you like our videos generally, it'd be really great if you'd subscribe to our YouTube channel.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better?